are you curious about the state of productivity in the pharmaceutical industry? In this clip, we have a fascinating discussion with Dr. Jack Scannell, a scientist and entrepreneur who has worked in both the biotech and investment fields. Dr. Scannell explains the concept of Irum's law, which highlights the inverse relationship between input efficiency and output efficiency in drug research and development. Together with him, I explore why measuring R&D productivity is challenging and how financial return and number of drugs approved per unit input are often used as measures of productivity. Find out why R&D productivity has been declining since the 1950s and what factors have contributed the most. Don't miss this insightful conversation. The so E-Room's law term and the R&D productivity work really stem from work I did, first of all, that I got interested in when I was at Boston Consulting Group, but then actually I pursued a lot more when I was working in investment. And this was when I was working in investment, I'd say between about 2000 and uh, sort of seven and 2012. And that was a period when productivity trends in the drug industry were really, really depressing, right? So things are actually much more optimistic than they were in 2010. But in 2010, people really were thinking that the drug industry simply had sort of lost the ability to discover drugs, right? Um, and I was particularly interested by the contrast between input and output efficiency, right? So I sort of spent a lot of my formative years as a scientist. Um, used to apparently seeing all of the technologies get better. You know, so DNA sequencing had got 10 billion times cheaper. X-ray crystallography for looking at protein structures, you know, had got thousands of times cheaper. Um, you know, we could make transgenic mice in which to test drugs. There's a whole bunch of things which should be getting much, much better, faster, better, cheaper. But the work at BCG and then subsequently in my investment career told me that the drug industry was spending 100 times more in, in inflation-adjusted terms to discover a drug in 2010 than it was in 1950, right? And that the clinical trial failure rates were higher in 2010 than they were in 1970. And although lots of people had written about the productivity challenge, this had really been a sort of theme probably in the drug industry since possibly the early 80s, that things were getting harder. Um, no one had really contrasted the input, the, the input efficiency with the output efficiency. Right, So it looks pretty bad if things are getting harder, but if things are getting harder while your inputs are getting much, much better and quicker and cheaper, that's, that's actually a more awkward problem. And I coined the term E-Room's Law really to draw attention to the contrast. So many of the inputs were following something that looked like Moore's Law, Moore's Law being a sort of a, 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 a law, not really a law, but a sort of a trend identified by a guy called Gordon Moore, who I think was one of the founders of Intel. And it was to do with the, the rate at which the number of transistors you could put on a chip doubled, right? So chips were getting faster, better, cheaper. Um, and this seemed to be an exponential process, right? So it was a roughly constant doubling time in terms of chip efficiency. And drug R&D productivity, at least in terms of output, there was a sort of inverse, there was a sort of halving time of efficiency. So once every nine years, roughly, roughly, between 1950 and 2010, the number of drugs discovered per billion dollars spent halved, right? And, and so E-Room's e law was a kind of joke, so, E-Room being more backwards, right? If you spell more backwards, it's E-Room. So hence, hence the invention of E-Room's law. 
One more question, sorry to interrupt you, but isn't it interesting, I always perceived, especially Europe with uh, Horizon Europe, that a lot of capital is um, going towards basic science and especially also in drug development. So it looks to me after what you said right now is that the output efficiency was going down while more and more and more input was put into the process. Isn't that yeah. an interesting Development. Yeah, and and it's and, and I think it's underexplored in the policy world, mm. right? And in public policy, and it's arguably underexplored in the sort of broad discourse around the drug industry because it's not it's not a trend that the experts want to advertise, right? Mm. So if you're a biomedical scientist, you don't want to signal to your government that actually there is less. In, there is less sort of useful output being produced for increased investment, right? So you, you so you have a sort of rhetorical scientific optimism, both in industry and academia, that is kind of disconnected from the long-term productivity trends. But there's there's, uh, no, there's another question that pops up in my mind. Um, what, what what is the right measure for R and D productivity? I mean, um, in my opinion. One measure could be that you say, okay, approved drugs is one way to say, but also on the other hand, uh, not every drug that enters the process should reach the patient because it can, not every drug can be safe and some drugs are not effective. So in your opinion, what is the right measure for R&D productivity? Well, so when I worked in finance, the answer was easy, right? It was a financial return measure. It was, you know, return. You know, there's, there's more than one return investment measure, but it was effectively, you know, what what was the effective interest rates you generated on your R&D capital, you know, or what, you know, that, that, those are the kind of measures I was interested in. Um, now I'm not working in investment. Uh, you know, if one looks more broadly, that's a very difficult question to answer. And I think my view is actually the measures that we would most like to have are the measures we don't have. Um, so, you know, um, Really, you know, again, if from a policy perspective, really one wants to know the, the amount of sort of, you know, the amount of sort of social welfare, right, or the sort of net health gains one's getting from R and D investment, and measuring those things is very fraught. It's technically difficult, um, and I think that's a. It, it, so consequently, people deal with actually measures that aren't very good in the in the broader sense, right? So a lot of a lot of my work has been around financial measures of R and D productivity, or it's been around simple counts, right? The number of drugs approved per billion dollars. But you're absolutely right; lots of those drugs actually are not terribly useful to anyone, right? And some of them are incredibly useful to very very large numbers of people, and go on being very very useful for for, for, for decades, right? And my view is that there isn't a good calculus reflecting that. And, and, and again, without wishing to digress too much, I think, again, the public policy debate on biomedical innovation would be better served if there were better ways of evaluating the benefit of biomedical innovation. So at the moment, you have some very disparate views, right? You know, so, so, there, so depending on your sort of analytic methods, you know, there are people sort of, you know, there are respectable people arguing that actually the sort of minimal incremental health gains from pharmaceutical innovation on one hand. And then there's other people arguing actually there's enormous sort of disproportionate health gains from pharmaceutical innovation. And I think most of the disagreement between them is around methodological choice, right? So actually they're having an argument about methods, really. And, and but imagine that they're having an argument about the substantive issues. 
in your opinion, what is the most important productivity measure then? If this is so, such a complex field, what, what well, again, you... I don't think we have it, unfortunately. So I think actually the so so so, so or rather, I think sort of socially most useful productivity measures are productivity measures that 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 are contentious and don't really or rather around which there's no consensus. So it would be something like, you know, the number of you know some sort of net health gain, quality adjusted life year gain per unit of R&D investment. I think I think that those would be the most appropriate measures, but I just think calculating is fraught. Yeah, then it's a, it's a very challenging uh, thing then uh, to talk uh, about productivity if this is such a complex field and we can't agree, uh, can't agree on one measure. If you would uh, have to recommend one, in your opinion, uh, from the scientist's perspective, what should they focus on? So, for practical purposes, you know, again, if for practical purposes, the work I've done over the years, I've really focused on two broad sets of measures. Right, one is drugs approved per unit input, right, mm. and the other one is financial return per unit input. And the financial return measure, of course, does capture, at least in aggregate, the fact that you've got very skewed returns. So if you, if you know, if you, for example, look at a company or the industry as a whole, mm. it's comprehensive, so it includes everything. It will include the big drugs and the small drugs, right? Uh, but, but, but things are very skewed. I think if you start looking at individual drugs or individual companies, it gets more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we look, when we come from the value perspective, you have uh, a lot of small companies um, focusing, for example, on generic drugs and uh, making drugs a little bit better that are cheaper. Then you have companies like CRISPR Therapeutics, for example, who develop uh, an entire new platform of doing things with a valuation of 50 billion, 60 billion, 70 billion. And then we have the outliers, especially in recent years, I think Moderna and BioNTech. Uh, that happened to have uh, a solution in the mRNA field that has a high need at the yeah. time when they are doing the research and development. So you come to several, I think at the, at the peak, both companies together had several hundred billions right. of, of value on the market, um, which is very interesting. Which trends do you see in the R&D investment um, Especially when we talk about these valuation measures, but what what's uh, currently happening in this field? So, uh, uh, rather than give you a bad answer, I'm going to sidestep that a bit, right? So, I stopped working in investment in 2019, mm -hmm. right? And if you're not in it, you get stale quite quickly. Right. So I I actually, you know, I know what I'm doing now. I know, you know, I'm very focused on the relationship between model quality and technology choices in R&D productivity. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on that area. And you know, there's a particular company that I'm trying to start at the moment. But I, I actually, you know, I don't really feel current on the sort of major themes as to what what's going on more broadly in the market. So again, I'm not rather than say something nonsense, I'll, I'll not say too much if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Um... I mean, the devaluation, I'm coming from the economic side, and devaluation is one of the, the key factors that I have an eye on uh, to move things forward. Um, looking at the low success rates that uh, uh, drug development companies have, uh, it's quite clear that you need uh, 
a drug that uh, is highly effective and is safe to refinance the investments that go into a company and that also the farming industry has some interest to buy it. I think this is a, a basic uh, economic rules. The big question that I have now when I look on the market and when I have to recommend investments is knowing that the R&D productivity is going down. It's really difficult then to recommend to invest in that field. Um, what would be helpful at this point is to understand uh, why that happened in your opinion. From You mentioned from 1950 to 2010, um, there was a huge decline in productivity. What were the factors that contributed the most in that area? Okay, so... so I mean, taking this back to sort of financial first, right, the, 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 the drug industry generated really good returns for its investors. And again, there's a number of different ways of measuring this, right? But if we look at things like return on equity, and if you calculate it correctly, which adjusts for R&D capitalization, the, the drug industry generated really good returns for its investors from as far back as I can look, which is the 1960s, I don't have data further back than that, up until around 2000. And then from 2000 to now, the return on equity has kind of trended down. And now it kind of bounces around, but I would say it's kind of not wildly different from other industrial sectors, but it's been on a downward trend. Mm -hmm. And the sort of simple drivers of that are effectively the R&D spending has grown faster than, than net profits. Right, so and that is all for today's clip on the challenges of R&D productivity in the pharmaceutical industry. I hope you found this conversation informative and thought-provoking. Don't forget to hit the like button, leave a comment below to let me know your thoughts and share this video with your friends and colleagues. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our channel for more engaging content like this. Thanks for watching.